You're listening to Liturgies of Life, the fifth season of Enacting the Kingdom. Here you'll be joining me and Father Jeffrey as we consider the wider implications of our everyday rituals. From shopping to social media to sports and to the so-called work-life balance, let's explore how the mundane aspects of our daily existence truly become liturgies of life. Work-life balance, the famous, famous work-life balance that we hear all about in our culture, Father Jeffrey. That's our topic today, work-life balance. Um, I want to start today's episode by expressing a view of the past that I'm not sure... Like, I think I might be romanticizing the past here, um, but I want to sort of... I want to have you pick it apart and see where I'm on base and see where I'm off base. Um, Okay, so work-life balance... It seems to me that in the past, let's say before the Industrial Revolution, that people's work, there had to be a localness to their work. You know, let's leave aside the jobs like, you know, being a trader or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be that you're on the road. But if you're, let's say, a farmer, right, you're working on the farm on which you live, right? There's this localness to the to the work. If you're in a village and you're a craftsman or or uh, something of that sort, you are working near where you live and selling near where you live to people that are your neighbors. Right? There's a very uh, uh, we we had smaller worlds. So this idea of work life balance, I think, didn't necessarily need to exist pre industrial revolution because people's lives and work and family and prayer and church and culture and politics, those were all sort of together in one spot with the same people. Um, So it wasn't about balance. It's just that they were all in the soup together. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but now it seems to me since the industrial revolution, when, when humans are seen more as producing and consuming entities, um, we need to, you know, get as much production out of the human body as we can. Here are factories in the Soviet Union. They would build towns around one factory, and that's it. Everyone in the town works at the factory. Um, uh, but you know, in in the capitalist West, we start to get these things like commuting to your job, right? Or your job being something totally different, uh, being over there and doing something that's not actually related to anything that you do at home. Uh, we start to get careers versus just taking over the what your father did. Um, and I, I think that over the past whatever century or so, we've had to develop this nomenclature called work-life balance because our work has become divorced from our life, right? We come home and work has nothing to do with the way that we actually live our life or perhaps even want to live our life. So that's a long three-minute introduction to uh, how I've been thinking about what I'd like to talk to you about on this podcast, Father Jeffrey. And maybe uh, you can take some things from there and uh, get us uh, get us set straight. <laughs> well, in the first instance, I'm going to agree with you. And then I'm going to push back a little bit on, on that. But so That's a good um, teacher. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, a lot of what you said, you know, is is spot on, right? It's, um, you know, th- there was a real transformation uh, in society when um, 
industry, you know, came along and uh, factory model of, of everything was introduced. So you had the factory model of work. You also had the factory model of education, right? So uh, much good can be talked about in terms of, you know, the introduction of public education as a social good and so forth. But the model on which that was kind of predicated in the middle of the 19th century was the factory, right? So the parents are going away and working in their factory to produce things. The children are going to be taken away from that home because they can no longer stay at home. The parents aren't there and they will be put into a factory model of, of education. And we're kind of still living with the, the, the aftermath, you know, of that. And this of course affected, I mean, one of the visual and and symbolic, you know, uh, expressions of this was urban planning, right? And so if you look at the way towns and cities develop throughout most of the 20th century under this modern idea of life, uh, you know, people live in one part, right? And then they go and they shop in another part, and then they go and work in another part. You have these zones that are set up, right? So urban planning reflected this, and people are always and everywhere traveling, right? Going, they're never in the place where they're supposed to be, right? They, they've slept in one place, they have to get up in the morning, they're in the wrong place to do work, they have to travel to that. You get colossal traffic jams on the freeways, and you get, um, you know, overcrowded public transportation, underfunded public transportation, a major crisis in most of our cities um, and towns. And then, you know, at the end of the day, at the same time, they all have to knock off work and, and go back home or go on to find the shopping district to be able to purchase the things quickly, you know, to go and have that that quick meal we spoke about in a previous uh, podcast. And that the, the, no longer can the family actually function in the way you described, which is as this kind of cohesive, you know, unit or even an extended family unit with, with, with the friendships of, of the local, you know, um, you know, village or, or, or town around and so forth. And I mean, this is devastating on, on so many levels, you know, for our life. Right. And, and I was, this comes to the fore for us liturgically because we, uh, you know, our liturgies were formed in, in an era, as you describe, where, you know, people are kind of living and working and being in, in kind of one place. And of course, people move and they travel, they go on pilgrimage, they do all kinds of things for deliberate, you know, reasons. But the, the majority of people's time is, is sort of framed within a, a very local um, area, right? And, and liturgically, this is probably most pronounced when it comes to the way we do funerals, right? Because the rubrics of, you know, people are meant to die <laughs> in that same place, right? And when they die in that same place, which is to say at home, that I mean, the, the rubrics of our services around, you know, dying and death, imagine, you know, the family kind of does something, you know, for that person and the priest is invited to come. And it specifically says you do this until the body is kind of picked up and, and carried to the church, carried, right? Because the church is not very far away. And then the, you know, the services take place in the church. And then at the end of that, you know, as you sing such and such, you carry, you know, the, the, the body and, and you bury that in, in the cemetery. And all this is happening in kind of one locality, right? And it makes sense. And just trying to transfer that onto our urban landscape today where, you know, on, on, you know, unhelpfully people are dying a ways away from where the church is or their home is or, or the cemetery. And it's all just being done by, you know, um, vans and and cars that are are kind of you know moving people and shunting people backwards and forwards you know all the time so there's a there's a real sense in which what you're saying that that's what has 
this is broken down, this kind of cohesive locality to our lives and, and so forth. But in t- terms of work-life balance, I think the thing I would want to push back a little bit on is that um, to depict that as a kind of perfect harmony of, of work and life is maybe a little bit naive and, and you know, rose-tinted um, lenses or something, because uh, part of the dilemma that we have today in terms of work-life balance is precisely the fact that we now have had time freed up in a way that maybe wasn't the case before. Now, I know it hasn't really come to pass the way that the early, you know, uh, the automation movement, say in a appliances, household appliances or whatever promised, you know, get a washing machine and, you know, you'll suddenly have, you know, 20 extra hours a week or get a dishwasher or get, you know, some sort of electric cooker or or some sort of household device or even the way computers were promised. Oh, computers will come in and will free up all your time. Well, no, they've, they've actually, all these things have just become another time trap, you know, for us usually, um, because we haven't been very mindful about it all. But overall, you have to say, compare life in 1850 to, you know, where we are in uh, 2022, we do have more time. We have more discretionary time. We have more leisure time. We have we have the question posed to us more uh, in a more pronounced way, you know, how should I use this extra time, you know, to what should I commit myself in terms of, of whether it's entertainment or leisure or, or, or holidays or, you know, or indeed, you know, the w- time for reading or, or for, for further study, that sort of thing. We have the, the, the average person was living a little bit more hand to mouth and, you know, was, was dealing with, with, with scarcity in a way that we're probably not familiar was dealing with, you know, what you would call, you know, subsistence living. Right. And so, yes, work life balance was implied, you know, in that because work and life are all in one place, but, but it was a lot of work. Right. And not so much the other things. And so maybe we can, uh, you know, regret the transformation away from that and, and possibly recapture some of what was beneficial about a world in which things were lived on a much more local you know, level. I talked about urban planning. I mean, the best urban planning today is urban planning that combines, you know, living and workspaces and shopping spaces that kind of remodels the medieval and, you know, earlier centuries model of, you know, that you have a kind of town square around which people can, can interoperate on all kinds of levels, you know, that there are churches and community centers and schools and, and, and places to, to, to work. And that some of that's been freed up by the fact that we have teleworking and, and internet, you know, online working opportunities these days, but to create you know, they're not just doing that in your home because that's maybe dangerous for work-life balance, but that you have shared workspaces um, and you have cafes and restaurants and, and everything. And it's all within one vicinity rather than this modern idea that had been about compartmentalizing everything. And you just kind of move from one zone to another all the time. The, the best of urban planning today would, would bring that all back together precisely because you don't have to travel as much, which is better for the environment. Precisely because it's better for your life to, to to be interacting with people on an ongoing basis and having these kind of friendly neighborly relationships and so forth. Because really, to to just sort of I mean, the, as the pandemic did during lockdown, say stay home. You know, a lot of people were able to work at home and just be at home. But we knew that that wasn't perfect either, right? That was a work life balance that that was 
far too much just be isolated. So we need to, to break through isolation, but have something that is not about traveling here, there, and everywhere all the time. But then the question comes, how do we measure a, a good life, right? It, about in terms of productivity versus taking time out, you know, for ourselves. And I think that's where this fundamental question of work-life balance comes to us today and maybe a new way. You know, I don't think in 1850 or indeed the middle ages or indeed in Jesus's own day, you know, that people were asking questions about mm, how do I, how do I balance, you know, my, my, the hours of my life according to time I'm spending working versus time I'm spending relaxing, we might call it, but I mean, it, whether it's traveling or, or looking after, you know, our, our, our other kind of wider human needs and so forth. People just didn't have the pleasure of asking that question. If you were a fisherman, you were fishing a lot of the time, right? And when you weren't fishing, you were probably, you know, fixing your nets or sleeping or eating, you know, and um, and so there wasn't really the, the, the same sort of question. So yeah, we can romanticize the past a little bit here or, or hold it up as a kind of model for living together. But I think let's also address the fact that today we have this real privilege of saying we have discretionary time. We have time, you know, to play games. We have time to read books. We have time to make and watch films or, you know, enjoy art uh, or music um, in a way that people probably didn't have in any era before ours. And so what do we do with that? Is that okay as Christians? Is is that a, a noble pursuit or is that just you know, literally waste of time and we should be getting back to, you know, feeding the poor, uh, you know, spreading the the, the word of God or, or whatever. I mean, the, the, that's the sense in which I think some Christians have um, a dilemma on their hands. You know, can they watch Netflix or should it always and everywhere be about the Bible or something like that? If you're not a patron of Enacting the Kingdom, you're only getting half a podcast. This show only exists because of an active community of people just like you over on Patreon. When you become a patron, you'll get additional episodes, live streams, and our ever-growing backlog of episodes, 66 at the time of this recording. And as we're social media free, Patreon is the only place to engage with us and others about these episodes. Go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom to join the growing community. I remember when COVID first, uh, it was the, when first things first started kind of opening up, it was in the summer and I worked at the local barber shop as a glorified receptionist there. Um, and our church was currently meeting on uh, the, the church we would meet at would be for Saturday night Vespers only, but it would be at the Romanian church in Hamilton, which was a block away from me. And the barbershop was two blocks away from me. And those are the only places I ever went. Mm -hmm. um, I had a two block, my entire world was two block radius. And I, rem and I remember a couple months later, I was driving to the east end of Hamilton and I'm looking around at buildings being like, people live here. <laughs> it was as if I was in like a foreign country and like, I wonder what it would be like to live all the way out here. Mm -hmm. um, but my world was so small. And, and I think we, we take for granted how, um, how big the world is, right? Um, that we can drive to places, right? Um, when I come up and see you, Father Jeffrey, I drive an hour in the car. That that would be a very 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 long trip before the uh, on, uh, onset of cars, mm -hmm. um, and and so to kind of go back to the theme of work life balance here, like I struggle with that phrase because it seems like 
you should just have life. Like, shouldn't work be sort mm-hmm. of subsumed under life? Um, that it's not like, well, I do work that's over there and totally separate from anything else I do. And then I do life over here and it's totally separate from my work. Maybe I'm just making too much of the uh, putting these two words juxtaposed to each other. Maybe I'm treating them as juxtaposed when they don't need to be. Um, but yeah, I sort of struggle with that phrase when people people might ask me, well, how's your work-life balance? And I want to be like, um, I, I reject the framing <laughs> of the question. Um, because for me, it's sort of like you have life. And then everything else sort of, there's categories underneath that. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you jump in. No, that, that I think is exactly where we need to go, you know, with this and what is life and what is the purpose of life and let's settle that, right? And um, listen ultimately to what, you know, the church and what the scriptures and the liturgy tell us about what that life needs to be uh, and how that should be framed. Um you know, and within that, obviously, it doesn't spell out exactly all our choices and options and, and so forth. And there's a huge variety, an infinite variety of, of possibilities within that ultimate, you know, point of life. So if our life has that directionality and the purpose that, that we have as Christians, as members of the body of Christ, and we have a real sense in which what that looks like, then as you say, everything kind of fits into that. That is the life, right? And so, uh, and then everything, you know, no matter what it is, is we end up doing for that career or indeed that job or indeed that whatever other pursuit that we're doing, it, it, it's kind of neatly fit into an overall purpose, right? Uh, and it, it's our whole, I mean, ultimately, the, we don't want to talk about an equilibrium or balance between something called work and something called life, right? Because that, that to me is, that's the kind of urban planning of the modern era just written into our lives, right? Where we've segregated and separated compartments, right? Where we say, okay, we're, we're going to live over here. And we're going to work over here. What you want to do is just balance the amount of time you're, you're spending in each zone, right? Well, there aren't zones in that way. Part of what I was saying about the, the better postmodern or critique of modern or uh, version of, of, which is a retrieval of some of the earlier insights about let's, let's kind of integrate a little bit better, have more harmony, you know, between these things, including in urban centers, which are multifaceted and and are, are places that you can enjoy being well make life like that right like that that's the model for how we should be living you have an ultimate goal and purpose uh telos in your life and then within that are all the different things that that you do some of which could be broadly construed as as productive or that's where you're you know that's you're, you're providing for yourself and your family some of the things are more uh consuming um you know, where you're, you're, you're enjoying the, the fruit of that labor or enjoying the, you know, sharing things, you know, with, with others or, 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 or just purely, you know, th- that idea of just sort of sitting and being and enjoying, you know, life. And that's where the kind of appreciation of, you know, things like art and, and music and, and just the, the, the joys of nature and, and so forth come in. And all of that, they're not that, that, you know, one is good and one is bad, or one you know, needs to be minimized, the other maximized. It's just that they all are facets of that overall purpose and direction, you know, of life, right? And this is how the the the, the church through the, the liturgy and how the, the scriptures frame the whole question, right? We are here because God created out of His self-sacrificing 
you know, sharing love, right? He wanted people to share the bounty and goodness of life with. And so he brought us into creation, brought us into being. And, you know, as disordered as that's become, we can cooperate with the one who, who has this intention of just sharing goodness and joy and beauty with us. And so let's make sure that everything we do aligns with that. That doesn't dictate a particular job. It doesn't say you, you, you can't, or you can be an accountant or, you know, or a movie producer or, or, or somebody working as a receptionist in a barbershop, right? They could, none of that is is the meaningful question what is meaningful is why you know we are living to begin with what is the purpose and, and direction you know of our lives and um i think we need to just kind of reframe the whole question and and to, to just talk about work and life as these two spheres that we have to somehow precariously balance and then if we get it wrong you know we'll either be a workaholic or we'll be a you know a sort of indolent you know <laughs> ne'er-do-well who's you know a, a kind of parasite on on the society or whatever like that's the that's the seemingly you know the dilemma that we're, we're left with right you know I, I have to project an image of, of of something here let it be of somehow i've balanced you know too much work and and too much play and and i've I found a, a kind of happy medium that people are going to not criticize me for it and that's not the point at all the point is we live towards the goal of creation and in that all things can find their place and everything ultimately every work every every type of of activity can be meaningful you know, in, within that context, right? It's not that uh, in and of itself, it has a, a purpose that, that we somehow have to be slaves to, but that, that those things all fold into that overall picture of what God intends for us to do with, the, with his creation. If you are getting value from this podcast, please consider writing a short, positive five-star review on your podcast app. And even though we are social media free, there is still a place you can keep up to date with Enacting the Kingdom. You can join the email list by going to enactingthekingdom.com. Yeah, I, I sometimes think, like, what if we replaced work with prayer? It's like, well, how do you, how do you get your prayer life balance? And like that would be a nonsensical question from a Christian perspective, because um, prayer should kind of envelop all of the aspects of our life. Not that work should. Uh, I, I'm also I'm wondering if you know maybe a better model might be these kind of concentric circles. Like I, I think that when people say work life balance, what often they're talking about is work family balance, right? Um, and you 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 talked about this uh, at length about you know how much it's about how much time do you spend at work and how much time do you spend with family you know how many how much of your mental and temporal resources are you spending at one place or the other and trying to perhaps if we're using the language of production and you know how do we optimize that what is the what is the optimal ratio of um uh, resources spent on our careers and resources spent on our family and and i think that that might not be the best model to do it and uh, a model of concentric circles might be better you know like I, I do think that um that there is uh our time spent with our family is very central time spent with the people that are our loved ones is very very central and to be able to put that at the center and to say i i cannot even be a functioning good producing member of society unless i actually have a solid foundation and often our family life is is that foundation 
um, ultimately it's it's our it's our spiritual state that is kind of that ultimate foundation. Um, but then you have that family, and then from there you sort of spread out into the uh, these mm-hmm. other um, spheres of life. And I feel like you ha- sort of have to have one set before the other. Uh, I'm not sure how you feel about that reframing, Father Jeffrey. Well, yeah, and I think at the very core of all that is our life with God, right? And and our family, it, it, that also isn't, you know, the thing that is the whole purpose, you know, of our life. Right, Although, right. you know, a lot of Christians have reframed just in the last, and again, in the modern era, because part of, I mean, keep coming back to that model of urban planning, part of that was about setting people up in their own kind of nuclear family household, right? That was another, I mean, this is totally foreign in, in human history and certainly in Christian history, but we now have made this so normative, we can't see anything else other than that, right? So we've separated in these zones, but we've also separated within the, the living zone. People are so you know, separate one from another, the, the individual household, which is just that nuclear family. And, um, that being raised up on a pedestal and, and a, becoming a place of worship, people talk about family values and protecting the family and, uh, you know, all of this kind of stuff is all rhetoric surrounding this idea. But previously, you know, the, the walls of households were, were porous, you know, you, you know, you had extended families that all lived together and, and, you know, always and everywhere there'd be people dropping in and, and visiting and, you know, the, the kind of the doors of the household were, were open for, for people to kind of pass through. And, and Christians have always been about hospitality and openness and generosity and, and, and so forth. And we've, we've turned inwards in such a way that, um, that's created this extra, you know, burden because it's, actually a lot more expensive to run uh, a nuclear separate isolated household right because you're of, often imagining well that has to be a detached house right it has to have a white picket fence it has to you know have all of that and to provide yeah, for that the american dream exactly to provide for that is it takes a lot more of that work part right and then you're separating yourself and certainly you know through most of the 20th century that was the the husband who went away and you know was was scarcely at home and look at the devastating impact that that had on on family relationships and you know the the rise of divorce and and so forth um you know, it's all of a function of that. Uh, but imagine if we could somehow in, in, in recapturing the kind of living togetherness of, of living and working and playing and being with one another kind of in one place in one neighborhood, if that also involved sharing, right? If that also meant, hang on a minute, you know, to have this separate lifestyle, we all, you know, we need to have, you know, two cars and we need to have, you know, all of, all of the, 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 the paraphernalia to, to keep one, a household going. We need every tool, every, every appliance on our own. But if you move to a model, which was that previous model of shared, you know, living spaces and accommodation uh, and, and, and communal spaces and so forth, well, you find you actually don't need to work quite as hard to, to accomplish that. Right. I mean, if I'm going to buy a house and I want my children to learn music. And so we're going to set one room aside and there's going to be a piano in it. I have to own all that space. I have to own the piano. I have to, you know, organize the individual lessons and so forth. But if we're living together somehow in a shared village environment, yes, we have our separate quarters and so forth, but we, we have opportunities to, to maybe live in common and, 
Maybe there should be a music room that's shared. That's only, you know, if I were to have that in my own home, I'm only using it like once a week. But here now it, it, it's being used all the time. We have other shared spaces or the exercise room, which is the big thing in, you know, North American, you know, families. Now I have to have the, the, the square footage to put that in. I have to own all the equipment. I have to maintain it and, and so forth. Well, what if, you know, that were something that were, were shared in common. So, so that model of a kind of bringing extended families and neighborhoods together to, to share things is actually one that frees us up from having to be slaves to, to create and own and operate and maintain these things on, on our own, right? So that modern isolation and separation and compartmentalization has really created, you know, a huge problem. And part of this, you know, work-life thing is about, you know, how can I possibly afford life without, you know, this extreme, you know, amount of work? Well, we can rethink all of that. And maybe we don't have to be slaves to, to um, this isolation and compartmentalization of, of life that, that we've constructed, you know, in, in our society. And, and that just we've seen this happen, right? There's been a shift, you know, through and through the medium of technology and so forth has become easier, but like shared automobile ownership and things like that. You know, I, I live in a part of the city where that's pretty common here now, the communato and things like that, where people don't own, I mean, if they, they can probably make do with public transport, which is another form of sharing, you know, uh, these resources, but when they need a car, they can just, they're part of a scheme where they can, you know, hire the car pretty easily and inexpensively and they're shared with, with other people. So this, I think there's so many ways we can rethink patterns that we've just assumed to be totally normative, that the goal in, in life is to kind of grow up and isolate ourselves and have work and life somehow poised, you know, and we're going to try not to work so much that we lose the life and we're going to try not to to live so much that we lose the work. But you know, it's just it, the whole the whole problem is the way it's been set up, rather than trying to find the right balance. You know, precisely between these things, we need to rethink the question somehow. And as I say, by putting life first, which means God first, and then around that, a family, an extended family, and neighborhood, and relationships, and so forth. Within that, we can find a, a much healthier way of of of. Yeah, doing the productive things we need to to be able to provide for that community, but also finding the point of living. You know, why why bother getting up out of bed in the morning if it's if it's only to produce, only to to kind of be drawn into this kind of uh, treadmill and slavery and and you know. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Let's 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 get the that as you say the concentric circles and the the hierarchy, the ordering of these things in the right place, and that way it all makes sense, right? Well, uh, I'm running out of time here, Father Jeffrey. I have to go to work. I'm not. I don't have any more time for you. <laughs> uh, so I think we're probably gonna have to uh, bring an end to there. Um, no, this was a this is a really great episode and, and helpful for me to sort of think through how I've been thinking through this. Uh, for those listeners who don't know, I pick the topics beforehand. And usually it's topics that I'm either think I've been thinking about recently, or I think would be interesting to talk about. But then I have to like think about it before all my questions and what I want to talk about. And I realized as I started thinking about this question, I, I don't have a clear I don't have a, even a clear idea of what work-life balance even means. I, I, I have a very, yeah, it's kind of shaky and, and I'm still trying to figure it out. So thank you for your uh, wisdom, Father Jeffrey. And I hope it was useful to our listeners as well. Indeed, yeah. Okay, well, that's about it. We'll see you all next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. 
I'm Father Yuri Gladio, an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning, and I'm joined on this show by my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in liturgical theology. Come connect with us on Patreon with any thoughts and follow-ups about this episode. We look forward to seeing you next time.